Welcome to the Engineers Podcast. My name is Aiden and I'm a principal engineer with over 10 years of experience in mechanical engineering. And my goal is to guide you all the way from when you decide to either do an apprenticeship or go to university to becoming a professional engineer. So welcome to episode nine, everyone. Uh, it's been a few months, actually, since I last posted an episode. And, you know, there's a few reasons for that. Um, my grandmother died just before Christmas. So that was a hard time, plus a few other family things. So apologies that the show has been out of commission for a few months, but I'm hoping to be back on track now and making everything work as well as I can. So on this week's episode... I thought I would talk about something that a lot of us don't like to talk about. So last time I talked about knowing when to quit. So that's your decision on when, you know, you should quit if you're given that kind of feeling or basically you just don't want to be there anymore. So that was last episode. And this episode, I'm going to talk about a topic that not a lot of us really want to happen to us, and that is redundancy. Now, I'm sure redundancy works a lot different in a lot of countries. Some places have it a lot better, some places have it a lot worse. Uh, in the UK, I believe it's probably one of the worst ones, because if you don't know, then you don't know. And by that I mean... People think they know what they would get with redundancy, but they actually haven't checked and made sure that that's what they get. So, first of all, what is redundancy? So, redundancy is when a company wants to minimize their workforce to save money. Uh, that's the excuse they use. In some cases, it is. You know, if they're going to go bankrupt and they have to do something drastic, then yes, they will cut staff. But otherwise, you've seen these big tech companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, all making staff cuts and they're making billions of dollars. So it can go either way. It can be some will do it to save themselves because they're going to go bankrupt. Others will do it to make more money. So there is a sense of greed involved in some cases of redundancy because let's be frank if your company is making profit then there's no need to make anyone redundant because that means that you are actually making money even if you make a pound profit at the end of the year the only unhappy people will be the shareholders otherwise everyone else including the company has made money but that being set aside in the uk you're not protected that well from being made redundant and the reason doesn't have to be a good reason. Now, in the UK, the redundancy law is as follows, okay? If you've worked at a company for less than two years, they only need to give you a week's notice. And that's it. And one week's back pay. So in reality, if you haven't been there for two years, it's just like being on probation, you know, all these companies that give you a six-month probation, it's not really a six-month probation. It is closer to a two-year probation because you can still be made redundant if your position isn't needed anymore, according to the company. And if you've been working at a company for a long time, let's say you've been working at a company for 20 years, 
you can only get a maximum of 12 weeks worth of pay. So three months pay, regardless of how long you've worked here. So once you pass the two year mark, you get one week's pay for every year worked. And I think then you're a bit more protected with the notice period where I think you can get like a, a month's notice or something like that. That's why if you're the last one in, you're the first one out because it's easier to get rid of someone who has been at a company for less than two years. Now, I haven't been made redundant before, but I know a lot of people who have, and I ha it's almost happened once at a previous company. And it was a scary moment because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you, I've got things to pay for. You know, everyone does. Um, but a big corporate company, like the one I used to work at, doesn't care. And there are a lot of companies that just don't care. You know, you are a number in a lot of things. And, and the thing is, never get too cocky somewhere because it might take like two or three people to replace you, but they won't know that until they've gotten rid of you. So if you think that you're replaceable because you do, let's say, the work of like three or four people, you are replaceable by three or four people, but it would be too late by the time they notice. And yes, it will cost them a lot more money, but they don't honestly know that. You know, they they only know that by the time it's too late. Is there something you can do to stop yourself being made redundant? Yes, there are some things you can do, but at the end of the day, if they are going to do it, they will do it. Um, because where I previously worked, they gave all the engineers letters of redundancy regardless. And it was an insult for a lot of us who actually did a lot of work. But what they do tend to base it on. Now, have you, if you've ever had an annual review with a boss somewhere and you've thought, well, these are pointless because they don't go anywhere. They don't get me a pay rise. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't do the training they promised. Those annual reviews are not for that. Okay, because you'll notice that a lot of companies score you. So in the previous company I worked at, there was a scoring system A to H, where H is the best, A is the worst. But it was very bizarrely done, because if you had a F, an F was better than a G, but if you had an H, an H was better than a G and an F because it went with behavior and how well you do your job. Very bizarre system. And if you were to be in the middle, like doing your job well, it would be you would be graded an E. And the problem with that was it was a very biased scoring system because managers could give their staff what they wanted. If some managers followed the company procedure, how it should be, then unless you really went above and beyond, you got an E. Other ones, even if you didn't go above and beyond, you'd get your H. But when it came time for redundancies, that is purely what they based it on. They based it on the scoring of the lowest. So from every department of engineering, there were two who were made redundant. And the two who were made redundant, one of them didn't have a review because their manager just didn't do one. And the other one had a bit of an HR incident. And again, that is something you don't want because they take that into account as well. 
um, you know, you can, that's another thing that can also drive your redundancy is having a incident with the HR department and, and it doesn't even have to be a bad one. I mean, uh, I think it was just an argument with someone else and they went straight to HR and just said, oh, he, you know, he swore at me kind of thing. Cause I know they're swearing a lot in companies, but technically you can be complained against. And if they investigated and find a problem, then that goes on, on your work record. And for time of redundancies, they can be like, well, you know, I've got two people here, same grade, but this one was a bit more problematic. So let's get rid of him. Now, on top of that, the uh, law also states that the person's job can't be replaced by someone else. While that is true, so let's say I, I'm at a company and I am a production engineer working on the production line, you know, going to the processing department, working on processing, whatever, stuff like that. They make me redundant. And then they bring in a processing engineer. Processing engineer works in processing, but also works on the production line. Does the exact same job I did, but does it the other way around? That is technically legal. So they've basically gotten rid of someone and hired someone else to do the job. They've just tweaked the title a bit. And companies can be very sneaky like that. I mean, one of the en engineers who did make, get made redundant, they said that they'd pay into his pension for another year if you train someone to do their job for them. So there are things that companies can get away with that you have to be careful of because at the time when redundancies are being made, the people who are making them, they're not very smart, okay? People who make redundancies are not smart because they just look at numbers, okay? There's a reason that a high-level employee is getting paid, let's say, 50000 and a low-level employee who's a junior is getting paid 20000 Okay, that high-level employee should be able to look after a team of juniors quite easily. But how the company sees it is that that's one body earning 50000 We can hire two juniors for that. So basically, he's two bodies. So they'll get rid of the senior member but keep the juniors there and not hire another junior anyway to take that position. So where you've lost that senior person who might do the work of two or three people, you won't replace that person anyway. So then what you're left with are two juniors who are then overworked, who then down the line quit quite easily to go somewhere else. And I've seen this happen too. Now, if you are a senior and they make you redundant, you don't need to worry too much because, you know, at that kind of level, you're going to get tired somewhere else quite quickly. Uh, but it's the pain of, you know, you've given everything to a company, you've done everything, and then they just throw this back in your face. And it's nothing to do with, likely, your work. You know, your work can be good, but it could be that you are a bit difficult, you know, because you are passionate about your job. So you've had a run with H in with HR, you've done, you know, something or you've just stepped on someone's toes. Again, the thing is, is that you will hear the line of, oh, we've tried to save money in various places, but 
it has to come down to people and that is not true because a lot of companies waste so much money on crap they don't need you know and people they don't need to be fair because why hire like five people who can't do a job properly when you could just hire one person who can do the job right now like i said i understand that some companies who are starting to go under you know the finances are starting to go in the red that's fine they have to make the cutbacks there isn't much choice because they might not survive you know the next six months if they don't do it and that is a painful decision for a company you know sometimes companies will just up and leave and move to a different country i've seen that happen before and they give you the option if you want to go with them or if you want to take a, a nice redundancy package where it's actually good money for being made redundant Right, so the next bit that I'm going to talk about is how do you know a redundancy is coming? Because there are signs, there are definitely signs in a company that redundancy is coming. And, I mean, it is quite easy if you're in a company presentation and they're presenting something and you see the numbers. Basically, it goes, let's say they made 25 million last year and then suddenly they're making 20 million this year. They've lost five million. If they're a big corporate company, they have to try and build up that five million. So at our at my old company, we always made a joke about a, a yearly redundancy drive that happened in one of the departments because it did. It happened every year before uh, the end of your financials to make it look better on paper that you've suddenly saved a load of money at the end of the year. So it makes you look better on paper. Basically, if you make let's say 20 people redundant and they're all getting paid like 2,000 pounds, you know, that's 40,000 pounds that you've saved in a month, basically. And and that's what corp, a, a corporate company looks at. They're like, oh, wow, this CEO saved 40,000 pounds this month, you know, because he knows that we're not doing well on the numbers. A lot of them don't ask, how did he do that? And then come the next year, they'd hire a bunch of people back and do it again at the end of the year. You know, it sounds very dodgy, but it is legal, unfortunately. And But that's a, a good sign for a start, is a huge drop in profit. And, you know, if you're making 25 million profit, you go down to 20 million profit, that is a big drop in profit. Obviously, if the company's in the red, then that's a, a big red flag as well to be kind of cautious and depending on the company you work for, you know, the redundancy might be a nice package or it might just be the government standard, which is what I said before, you know, a, a week's pay for a company you've worked at for less than two years. Or if you've worked there for tw over 12 years, then all you get are three months of pay, you know, which sucks because you've worked at this company for so long and that's all you get. And there have been a load of people who've worked at companies that I've known, you know, for 20 plus years who think their job is safe and they're the ones who get the cut and you know it's not nice because you've dedicated a lot to a company and they throw it back in your face but there aren't many companies i know that won't do that you know but one of the things that you're covered with after i think two years is that they have to try and find you employment so you've got at least that 
in your back pocket that they have to at least try to find it for you. So, you know, they'll help you in that way if they can be bothered. But anyway, I digress. And the next sign is, you know, something as simple as you speak. If you're good friends with the account department, you know, speaking to them, sometimes they just say they make a, a passing comment that so-and-so's car costs X amount of pounds a month. How, how are we justifying paying for it when we're not even making any money? You know, a simple comment like that can be can make you think that, oh, are we actually not doing as well as we should be? And depending on the size of your company, another good way to tell is just to log on to the um, company's register. Um, in, in the UK here, it's called Company's House, and it's free to get this document. And I always do this before I start with the companies. I always check their financials. Because every year, depending on the size of the company, you have to upload your financials. And you can see it, I think, for the last few years. And you can see how it does. It basically tells you the profit margins and everything else. And if you see it going up, then you kind of know that you're going into a safe kind of job. Obviously, we can't prepare for things like COVID and stuff. But if you see like trend going up, like last year was 10 million, then 15, then 20, you know, then you're more likely to not have any problems. But now if you are fed up of where you're working and you go for a new job, interview goes great, you know, you see the company, but then you look at their financials and they've they've drastically dropped. You know, that is, hopefully you've checked it before the interview so you can ask the question of why that happened because there might be a good reason. Maybe one of their customers went under, which is which can happen. But maybe there's a bit more to it. Maybe they are actually losing a lot of customers and things are going very wrong. You know, I mean, can you imagine kind of if, let's say, this UK 2030 thing takes off and they don't allow sale of petrol cars and diesel cars, every company who hasn't thought about this ahead of time and is making parts for those cars is basically going to go dead overnight. So some companies don't plan for the future and you see them dip as well. So that's another sign of the companies and problems is you can actually go to the uh, the government website and find out is the company you're working for doing well or is the company that you're going to work for doing well. The final way of knowing is is actually just getting told, you know, that likely redundancies are coming in in a few months time if things don't pick up. And then you can just monitor things to see what's happening. As nice as it is to get a couple of weeks pay for being made redundant, if you don't kind of foresee it and try and get a job in the meantime, because what you can do is even if you have, let's say, a two or three month notice period, you know, once you get that contract in writing, the company kind of has to wait for you. So if they make you redundant, then you can basically go to the other company and say, well, I'm basically available earlier, and then you could start with them. But what you don't want to do is just sit at the back and be like, I'm going to be safe, I'm going to be safe, I'm going to be safe. Because, like I said, if you're in a senior position especially, they won't miss you until you leave. Because they won't know what you do. If people don't know what you do in a good way, then they will miss you when you leave. Okay, and what I mean by that is you are solving issues even before they happen. 
you know, you've done things, you've prevented things from happening, you've reacted quickly to something going wrong. And the problem with that is no one knows what you do, but you do it so well that you keep everything running. Well, as you could be the opposite and no one knows what you do because you never show anything. So there is a risk that you will be sorely missed a month or two later when they've made you redundant and they realize what they've done and then it will cost them a lot more money to replace you. But unfortunately, if it's due to a company being in the red, then it's understandable. But unfortunately, shareholders can be greedy, are greedy, and they just want more money because less less money in the bank, less dividends for them at the end. Because another thing, which I will talk more in depth in another episode about, about my knowledge of business, is not very knowledgeable, but I know some stuff, is if you pay yourself a salary in the UK, you get a lot more percentage taken off than if you pay yourself dividends. And dividends is what you can claim from a shareholder's profit pot. So... I think it's like 19% tax. It's ridiculous. It's like almost half of what you would get out of your salaries. So let's say you're on a £30,000 salary and you get £30,000 in dividends. We'll use this as an example. So the income tax on that salary is about three to three and a half thousand pounds. Okay. And then on top of that, you have to contribute to your national insurance on the salary, which is about 2300 Right, so you're looking at 5,800. On a 30,000 pound dividend, you are looking at a 4,900 pound tax. So you are taking home almost a thousand pound more in in dividends. Uh, But that goes, dividend tax doesn't go up as high as normal tax does let's say you're lucky enough to be taking home 100,000 and you want to take home 100,000 in dividends, right? You're looking at paying 39,000 pounds in tax on that. It's almost 40,000 if you round it up, let's say. And the tax on dividends is 36,000. So basically you're making 4,000 pounds more on your dividends. So this is why shareholders care more about the pot than anything else because they might be getting a salary but the tax on the dividends is different and at the end of the day all the shareholders care about is making money i should say this they also care about is making more money so that is another reason why they could make uh, redundancies now i hope that this episode helps you know especially if you know, if you are going to be going through a redundancy or, you know, something that if you've been at a company for less than two years, you are royally screwed. Okay, there is almost nothing that can protect you. If you've been there longer than two years, then there are some things that can help you. Okay, but if you ever thought a company can't get rid of you, um, you are not technically covered for almost two years. You're basically on probation for two years. Companies just say six months, but they know. And the UK law doesn't look after people, right? They look after businesses because businesses contribute to the government. We won't get into politics, but it is true that bigger taxes come from businesses more than people because so they 
focus on companies not getting royally screwed on redundancies. You want to, because more money a company makes, more tax goes to the government. So it's actually in the best interest of the government to screw normal people over their salaries. But I won't get too much into that because that that's a story for another day. Um, but I hope this episode helps. And, you know, if you are going through redundancies, just remember there's always something on the other side. So if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch, you know, be it by email or LinkedIn. I'll leave a description to everything in the in the links below. And, you know, if you did like the show, please do subscribe to it and just give me your feedback. I would really appreciate that. And until the next episode, I hope you have a great day and during this journey to you becoming the best engineer you can be.